Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Newton Group Transfer. They are here to help you if you're stuck in a timeshare. These stories from people who have these timeshares and can't get out of them, they're shocking. These timeshare companies, not all of them, but so many, they get their hooks into you and you can't give them up. You can't give them up or they'll, they'll do things like they charge you thousands of dollars. One girl, she got past her timeshare when her mother passed away. She gets past the timeshare, doesn't want the timeshare, doesn't use the timeshare. They tell her she can get out of it for $4,000. She has to come up with a $4,000 check. This is not right. It's unjust. And Newton Group Transfers is here to help you. If you are in a timeshare and want out or know someone who is, Call 888-845-3773. That's 888-84-JESSE. Or go to timesharejesse.com. Newton Group Transfer. They will help you out. It's time, isn't it? Isn't it time to reopen America? We don't have to belabor the point about how we never should have shut down anyway. I'm pretty sure I've driven that point home to you plenty of times. 
Let us look forward. Let us move forward. It is time. The American people, people in general, but definitely not Americans, we were not made to stay locked away. That's not who we are. And that doesn't mean just on a DNA level, Americans are superior to other people. I mean, we are, but that's another, that's another story entirely. The truth is, each culture is different. In America, we have a unique culture. And what is a culture? It's what your society values, right? If you grow up in a, some kind of culture where everybody, you know, they value a misshapen head, there have been cultures like that throughout history, then they'll tie little bands around your head and misshape your head. Sounds totally weird to us, right? Totally foreign? In some cultures, that's normal. Some cultures don't really value manners, person-on-person -person manners that much. Some people value a lot of close personal contact. You see this in places like Italy, which is actually really sad. It hurt them a lot when it comes to coronavirus. In America, part of our culture is rebellion. Let's just be honest. That's our culture. That's what we were founded on. And we're not, if you look at it through the lens of history, that far removed from that. It's passed down from generation to generation. You can argue a lot of it has faded away, and clearly it has when you look at how many Americans have just gotten on their knees for the government during this time. But part of our culture is rebellion. We don't like people telling us what to do, and we don't like being told, stay inside, shut your mouth, close your business, and never work again. Even if you could make the argument we were supposed to have done it for a while, we all agree now. I mean, you see the protests going on out there. A while's over. Which is why I always thought these arguments, you'd get these arguments from that Ezekiel Elliott guy. Bill Gates has said things like this of, well, we're not, we can't get back to normal until there's a vaccine. It's probably going to be 14 to 18 months. Honestly, those were the ones that made me laugh out loud. 14 to 18 months? Americans couldn't stay inside for 14 to 18 months if you promised them that as soon as they walked outside, an asteroid was going to slam into the earth and vaporize us all. It's not humanly possible. You might as well prescribe that everybody grow wings and fly. So it was never going to happen. However, we have a situation now. We have these governors, these various states that are going to start opening things back up, and it's the right move. It is. We have to stand with them. Because here's what you're about to see, and everybody watching knows I'm right. You're about to see these governors open up their states. Okay, you know what? It's time for Georgia. I'm going to show you Georgia's governor in a second. It's time for Georgia to get back to business. And we're going to praise them, and businesses are going to start opening up, and people are going to feel out what they're comfortable with. People are still scared, and that's fine. They'll, they'll you know, get their footing. But every single state, especially states run by Republicans, that opens back up for business. The, send, the, the media is going to descend on that state like a pack of wild dogs to rip them to shreds every time there's a new coronavirus case. Uh, look at this guy did. This is basically his fault. We saw a spike. Did you see the spike? There's definitely been a spike. We have to stand with these governors. Even if you're somebody on the right who has maybe gotten a little scared, maybe you're still a little scared. I'm not here to pound on you tonight. Now is the time. Buck up, buttercup. Pull yourself up by your, by your bootstraps. It is time to stand with Republicans as they open America back up again. We've given way too much leeway to the left on this. That stops now. Here's Governor Kemp of Georgia. Given the favorable data, enhanced testing, and approval of our health care professionals, we will allow gyms, fitness centers, 
bowling alleys, body art studios, barbers, cosmetologists, hair designers, nail care artists, estheticians, their respective schools, and massage therapists to reopen their doors this Friday, April the 24th. Unlike other businesses, these, these entities have been unable to manage inventory, deal with payroll, and take care of administrative items while we shelter in place. This measure allows them to under, undertake baseline operations that most other businesses in the state have maintained since I issued the, the shelter-in-place order. This measure will apply statewide and will be the operational standard in all jurisdictions. This means local action cannot be taken that is more or less restrictive. One has to hand it to the sign language guys at these things. Underrated performers, if you ask me, and good for Governor Kemp. Good for Governor Kemp. Let's stand with him. Let's stand with all the governors who make this decision. We cannot just destroy a $20 trillion economy. Yes, we've made mistakes. Mistakes we are going to feel for years. But the time has come to move forward. Treasury Secretary Steve Mnuchin says, we'll be back in months. I, I think it will be months. I definitely don't think it will be years. We are going to conquer this virus. We are going to have terrific breakthroughs. I know both not just on the testing, but on the medical front, we begin to have virals. I think there's things that are being developed for vaccines, which will take a little bit longer. But one of the things we heard is people want testing. People also will react very positively that they know if they get this disease, there will be medical treatments available as well. Okay. I mean, that's not true. We're not coming back in months, not fully anyway. It'll take years to recover from what we've already done. Let's just clarify that. However, I don't have a problem with the Treasury Secretary saying that. You want to be sunny, you want to be optimistic, give America a bit of an attaboy, get back out there and get them, champ. No issue there. Well, a new issue. Donald Trump is officially about to halt all immigration. Quote, in light of the attack from the invisible enemy, as well as the need to protect the jobs of our great American citizens, I'll be signing an executive order to temporarily suspend immigration into the United States, end quote. Well, that's not controversial. Of course you're going to do that when you have 30 million Americans already out of work. Yes, the left made a big deal out of it. Ah, oh, he's racist. He can't do that. Um, when you have a pandemic like this and your economy is going into the toilet, you got to look out for Americans first and foremost. One might even say, as radical as this is, you should always look out for Americans first. I know. I know. I'm not trying to be controversial. Nancy Pelosi, maybe the worst party spokesman in American history, she has some thoughts. Um, yeah. So right now we're in those uh, negotiations. The, uh, my staff uh, and the staff of Mr. A leader, Schumer, that spoke with Secretary Mnuchin yesterday, and we'll do so again today. Uh, we we want to uh, we again for support what we did with the PPP, uh, but we want to make sure that when as it gets more money, it gets many more people get access uh, to the credit. There have been some questions asked about the money may be committed, but we haven't. Many of us have not received it. So that's all. That's as I say back to. Uh, Chairwoman Velasquez saying we we want 
uh, we want the data. Uh, Sounds like she's doing well. Nancy Pelosi, famously now, went on television the other night, and she was trying to do this, you know, connect with the people type thing, a funny bit. And there's something so critical in life and something I want you all to understand. This goes beyond just reopening America. It goes beyond politics. This goes for the left, for the right, for everybody. I'm about to give you some helpful information. Pay attention. Learn to read the temperature of the room. Learn to read the temperature of the room. That's important. What I mean by that is when it's a funeral, maybe not the time to try out your new comedy routine. When somebody just gets fired in the office, maybe not the time to loudly proclaim that you just got promoted. And when 30 million Americans are out of work, when you have food banks running out of food, you have empty freezers, probably not a great time to go on a late night TV show. I believe it was late night, who cares? No one watches it anyway. Stand in front of your allegedly $24,000 fridge and brag about your luxury ice cream collection. That is bad timing. That's what she did. Well, the Trump campaign, because they are really, really good at this, grabbed it and... We turn now to that $350 billion fund to help small businesses and its workers get through the shutdown. It will be up to Congress to restock it. But Democrats blocking that move this morning. They asked for a quarter of a trillion dollars in 48 hours. I said, well, I don't, I don't think so. They objected, and I congratulate the Senate Democrats. Speaker Pelosi, what are you going to share with us from your home? Chocolate candy. Thousands have been forced to wait for hours at food banks all across the country. This is... Oh my. Chocolate, and then we have some other chocolate here. We just got it restocked with the ice cream. You don't want to eat up everything all at one time. I can't do it much longer. I'm trying so hard. We were, can we say, enjoying. Having to admit that, yeah, we're starving, and I like it better than anything else. Taping this segment, there are 22 million people out of This work. specific program <laughs> is about stopping job losses today. This is hurting people bad. Other people in our family go for some other flavors, but... Right now, it's survival mode. You don't know where that next something else is going to come from. I don't know what I would have done if ice cream were not invented. I just wonder. Mmm. <laughs> Mm-mm. Savagery. All right. We got the great Buck Sexton coming up next. Hang on. Everybody knows and loves him. He's Buck Sexton of The Buck Sexton Show, which you can watch right here on The First. So allow me to welcome Grizzly Adams. Buck, <laughs> New York. They're in a bit of a trouble, a bit of a pickle right now because, look, I mean, everybody like me down here in Houston and Texas, most of the country can talk about reopening the economy fairly easily. I mean, it's not a problem. There's not a, a big outbreak here. You are at the epicenter of where there is an outbreak. And Americans are dying, dying by the thousands. You're stuck inside. What are you seeing? What's the pandemic like? What's the economy going to be like? How does New York begin to tackle this? I can talk about opening up Houston. Opening up New York City is a whole different ballgame. What, what, what are you seeing? 
So the, the recognition, I think, is slowly beginning to, to seep in here, Jesse, that our climb out of this, just like, the as you pointed out, it's much worse here than it is anywhere else in the country, really anywhere else in the world at this point. I don't know what's really going on in China, but if you look at the New York numbers, New York City, uh, because of population density, because of, I mean, I'm a, I'm a big believer in the theory that the subway played a huge role in the spread of this, the very rapid and very, unfortunately, efficient spread of this virus. And then you have a lot of multi-generational uh, families as well. And then pile that uh, on, pile on top of all that, you have a deeply incompetent city government that has been wrong and has been uh, really irresponsible and just dumb at, at every stage of this. If you're asking what the economy looks like now, I mean, I walk around, grocery stores are open. Some occasional restaurants you'll see are doing takeout, but I'd say the number of restaurants now that are open, and remember, New York is a city of restaurants. I mean, this is, it's a huge part of the economy here, the service economy. I'm actually in Midtown, I'm close to Times Square, so anybody who's visited, you kind of know what my neighborhood is. I'm right in the middle of it, I'm right in the thick of it. And uh, Jesse, I'd say one in, I don't know, I, I was gonna say one in 20, it might even be one in 50 restaurants right now that I see are open in any capacity. I mean, it's a very small number. Let's say one in 20. So I'd say 5% of the restaurants that I'm seeing in my neighborhood are open. And people keep assuming that the money's going to flow and that everything's going to come back and, and get turned on. No, the, the, they, they're, missing, they're missing what the, even when I say long-term, 60 days from now, these restaurants are going to be wiped out. They're not opening again. That's what I think people don't understand. And it's not just the restaurant. Oh. Buck, why don't they understand it? Because I have to be honest, and you and I have talked offline about this. I mean, look, even within the Trump administration, I see a lot of really smart people, a lot of really accomplished people, a businessman here and banker there, and they talk about the economy in ways that is not reality at all. Are, 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 are people just, once you get to that level of success, it's not as if you get dumb, but are you really just so far removed from what an actual small business goes through that you can't wrap your minds around it. The way people talk about businesses, it's like they think everybody's McDonald's and Google. And wow, I mean, just a couple months, it's fine. We'll shell out a few more Big Macs, ain't no biggie. Yeah, I, I think that for a lot of people who, even those who do work in, in the private sector and for the private economy, what you end up finding out, what you end up seeing is that they're used to that Google, McDonald's, Coca-Cola mentality, right? Facebook of, well, it's a big company and, you know, there's contractions, goes up and comes down. But, like, there's kind of always, it's always going to be there. There's always going to be more money. And they don't really understand what, what does it mean when you're running a business that has bills, that has expenses, and there is no, there is zero money. There's a checking account with a zero balance. What does that mean? It means people get fired and people don't have money to pay their bills at home. And that's where I think there, there's a big separation. And there's also... Look, let's be honest, there's a, a class, and I would even say an, say an educational separation that's happening here, where you have a lot of urban college and, and even you know advanced degree educated folks who are more easily able to work from home, more easily able to transport their work product, uh, and including to the Hamptons, by the way, you know Cuomo and all these other people that are telling us that the brother, not the, the governor, although both. Uh, and then you have folks who work to, they have to show up to a place, do a service for other human beings, do a job with their hands and their physical being uh, present. And they're completely out of luck. And they're being told still by the BuzzFeed warriors on their couches out in Park Slope, stay home, peasant. 
that's going to get really, really dangerous for our society here because the economic devastation that we're going to face is not going to be something that you just turn back around. And that's what they don't understand. Buck, I'm glad you used that word, and I've been hesitant to use it because I'm not sure uh, of a responsible way that I need to start using this word, dangerous. And what I mean by that is uh, there's always this disconnect, and there's always a left versus right disconnect, and there's always some kind of a class disconnect and, and a rural versus urban disconnect. That's just stuff that exists. But now when you have people, I mean, Congress, honestly, I, Buck, I was legitimately worried for the safety of members of Congress when I saw they were passing a bill with pork in it, when people were dying. People were out there. Not only are they dying, they're, st they're standing in food bank lines that are running out of food. People are starving in America, and we still can't get some messaging to these people in D.C., stop talking down to people. Stop scolding everybody that wants to go back to work. I genuinely worry about out outbreaks of violence. And as much as I love arguing politics, that's the last thing in the world I want. And I'm worried about it, man. I am. There's so much anger and fear out there. I'm worried about it. Yeah, and, and the condescension, remember that the government has yeah. told these people, the people that are in line in, in Houston, I saw that line, what was it, 4,000 cars, Jesse? No. The condescension no. from those who not only still have jobs, but also have elevated platforms to make their case to the rest of the country about this, telling people, oh, just stay home, watch Netflix and eat ice cream. Uh, well, guess what? For people that have no money in the bank, this is a terrifying situation. Their livelihoods have been ta remember, taken from them. It's not like, oh, this is just a natural occurrence in the business cycle. The government has said, you stay home, which means you are now under house arrest with no money. And, and this is where it gets a little tough because I know people don't like to hear this because there is so much unfair criticism of the Trump administration that's being thrown out there, and I'm, I'm batting that down all the time. But there is some fair criticism. When you're looking, Jesse, at 95% of small businesses didn't get any money out of the first tranche for this uh, PPP program, 95% got no money. I know people, friends of mine, I know people that I'm related to that were applying for money in this program for their businesses. And they were told, sorry, no room at the inn for you. Uh, how do they miss this mark by 300 and something billion dollars now in the first few weeks? This is where the other part of this, Jesse, yeah, I'm scared because of people recognize, people are now dealing with the real consequence. Remember, the longer we wait, the worse this gets, right? The longer we wait, the more the economic devastation uh, is, is apparent to us. But then you also have this other layer of the money we are spending now is mind-boggling. I mean, they're, they're, they're treating, this is our government, and I know it spends too much money in $10,000 Pentagon toilet seats and all that stuff, fine. But, Jesse, $100, 200 $300 billion being, being spent like, you know, NVD, this is insane. No financial system is going to be able to sustain this. Otherwise, why None don't we just have the oh. government pay? Why do we even work, Jesse? We can just have the government pay us both a million dollars tomorrow. And not only that, should. Buck, they're not only spending it, they're spending it at a time where there's nothing coming in. You're not only, you're not only spending more than you've ever spent, you've shut off the spigot of, of money coming in. I've been screaming about this. People pretend like, and somebody said this, it was uh, John Corrin, a senator, a Republican senator from my state of Texas today. Uh, we don't have time. We can't worry about a debt or deficits when we're dealing with something like this. Do people not understand what happens when a financial system collapses? Do they not understand what happens when the value of your currency collapses? 
collapses. It is a world of pain. You would you would pray for coronavirus over the collapse of the dollar. And yet, right now, we still have the hardline uh, partisan divide between. Isn't it stunning? This shouldn't be. Uh, this really shouldn't be about politics. This should be about how we do the best for the most uh, possible of our fellow Americans, protect them from the virus as best we can, while also understanding there is no zero virus future. And I think that's also part, it was all lockdown, stay home peasant, shut off, listen to the experts. Okay, well now we've done that and guess what? Everyone's starting to look at this and say, uh, we're gonna have to reopen and go back out in the world. There are people gonna play politics with this, there was always going to be virus risk. And I, I remember I was saying this the early days, and I actually, Jesse, I mean, I, I just washed my hands of it for, for a couple of days on Twitter and, and trying to make the case, because you get tired of being told you want grandma to die all the time. But those morons now face the reality of what this country is actually going through, which is economic devastation that you and I have been talking about all along. And we can't actually do this hide under the bed routine much longer because the effects of it will be worse than a virus that if we're looking at what the serology tests have already told us and what, what it looks like, it's going to be less than 1% of a fatality rate, probably 0.5 or 0.3, which is high across an entire U.S. population. But do you shut down the entire country indefinitely for that? that we're back to that question now, and I think people are starting to feel differently about it. Buck Sexton of the Buck Sexton Show. That's why you can see him right here on the first. Buck, appreciate you, my man. Stay safe. Can you have me on again to talk about steaks or something fun sometimes, by the way? I feel like I just gloom and doomed your entire audience. But You know what, Buck? You know what? I'm going to hit up the production staff, and we're doing it right here tonight on our Reopen the Economy special. You and I are going to sit and just gab. This Sunday, we're going to do another one of those things where we just kick back and talk about lighthearted stuff and sip bourbon on TV. We're this doing it this I, Sunday. I will drink mezcal, Buck and you will make jokes that get me in trouble. Thank you, Jesse. <laughs> Be well, Buck. <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about the stock market. What's it doing? What's economy doing? What's small business doing with Carol Roth? Hang on. Joining me now is the great Carol Roth of the Roth Effect podcast. We have... A bunch of really weird stuff happening this week. We have the stock market going up and then back down and up and back down. But there are 30 million unemployed. How does that even happen? And then yesterday, everybody starts texting me about oil this, oil that. And I see that oil is trading at negative $40. I don't have any idea what that means. But you don't have to understand what things mean if you have smart friends who do. Which is why I bring on Carol Roth. Carol, how does something trade at negative? I'm not a stock wizard, but that doesn't seem possible. So I'm going to steal somebody else's line and say I'm not going to drill down too far on the oil stuff because it does get <laughs> a little bit uh, technical, so to speak. Um, but you know, when oil's traded, it's traded in contracts that expire, and the crude oil also has storage costs. So basically what they're saying is that we, there's not enough demand out there for it to be worth us to store the cost of this product. And so that's why you have to actually pay someone <laughs> to take the contract off of your hands. And this is why people should not invest in things that they don't understand. And when my Twitter's blowing up with everybody telling me that they are going to either buy or sell oil, it's like I just welcomed all of the new oil trading experts to Twitter. Okay, now, uh, look, 
The beauty of that is I don't pretend to be an expert, but shouldn't I buy at negative $40 or is that stupid? So you really have to look out and say, what do you think is going to happen? Um, it takes, when you have the crude oil, it obviously needs to be refined and distributed to become gasoline. Then there are taxes, then there are costs of operating gas stations, uh, then there's demand at the pump. Right now, people are still locked in their homes. So this is a very um, large supply and demand equation with some fixed costs underneath it. And this is why I always say, if you don't invest in or if you don't understand something, don't invest in it because there are a lot of things that um, go into the equation. And it also takes about six weeks on average for whatever's happening in with the market and supply and demand to work its way to the pump. So it's a very difficult calculation. It's why we have experts who do this for a living. Okay, so what should I be doing when it comes to the market right now? Because it's doing this thing, Carol, and I don't know what any of that means, but I know that doesn't seem very certain. What should I be doing? So I can tell you what I did, and obviously this is not investment advice for everybody because obviously everybody's situation is specific. Um, but we just bought what's considered protection on our portfolio. We think that the market um, is overvalued and that there is a lot more risk to the downside than there is opportunity to the upside. So we bought something that's called an option and we are using the option as a hedge against our portfolio that if the market goes down, that we have the protection against that. I am very concerned that the market's delusional and is not going to uh, price in all of the wreckage that is to come down the pike but I could be wrong and that's why I used an option strategy, but talk to your financial advisor and see if that's a strategy that might make sense for you. Honest question, I was a little bit lost the day we had the worst unemployment numbers we've had since the Great Depression and the stock market went up. Yeah. And, I, and I, I, I was having a hard time merging those two worlds. Why does the stock market go up on a day with bad news like that? Explain that to me. All right, so there are two important things to understand and take away here. First of all, the stock market is not the economy. It's a proxy for certain pieces of the economy, and the trading is never perfectly reflective of what is happening or what is, it's just a best guess about what's going to happen in the future. So that's one, one thing you need to understand. The second thing is that we've had the Federal Reserve playing all kinds of games. They took interest rates down to zero. They're in the markets buying different kinds of securities. And this has an impact on the valuation of the market. It's supposed to help boost the market, I think, unfairly. And part of the reason why I think that the market is currently potentially overvalued and that I down uh, hedging that risk um, does not make sense fundamentally to me as somebody who has been in and watching and participating in markets for two and a half decades. Um, so I would say be very wary of it because sometimes with all of these outside factors um, and circuses going on, the market gets it wrong in the short run, but it does figure it out in the long run. And that's what we have to be concerned about. Uh, back to the oil thing briefly. Explain to me how, I keep having people tell me that this was really separate from coronavirus, that coronavirus contributed to this whole oil bottoming out, but that was not the main factor. Is that true for one? And if it is true, what are they talking about? So there are a lot of things that are going on. So, you know, first of all, everything comes back to supply and demand. 
Um, the United States has become a huge producer of oil, and so we have contributed to the world supply. So that means when there is more supply against constant demand, prices will go down. Um, and the other side, that the demand equation for oil-based products has been going down, part of the green movement. So you had those dynamics in place, but to say the coronavirus doesn't play in is insane. The reality is, is that people are locked in their houses. They're not getting in their cars. They're not driving anywhere and going to work. So obviously that decreases demand and has a, a huge um, impact on it. So it's not certainly the only factor in there. And we've that's why we've seen lower oil prices you know, before this. But at the same time, a couple months ago, oil was still like $65 a barrel. Um, and I would expect you will continue to see volatility, uh, which means going up and down and up and down and lots of fluctuations in that market. And it's why I don't spend a lot of my time personally focused on it. Carol, I keep getting these reports. I mean, people are sending me emails that small businesses are closing across <sighs> America. I see these unemployment numbers going up. And I don't understand how that's humanly possible when Congress passed the bill and handed out all this money. Didn't that take care of all of our problems? So it makes me want to put my head through the wall. Um, obviously, the, the underlying intention of something called the CARES Act was to plug uh, emergency relief into these businesses that the government has said, you must shut down and people, you cannot go to work. Uh, and in some cases, you cannot patronize these businesses. So it should have been to plug the gap. Of course, Congress being Congress didn't do that and decided to dole out money to everybody and their brother. The ones that made me the most crazy were the universities who've already gotten paid for their semesters, have lower costs. And in many cases, uh, I highlighted Harvard has a almost $41 billion at last count endowments. They are basically a hedge fund masquerading as a university. So the fact that they're getting $9 million in aid while of the $2 trillion package, less than 17% of that was going to small business, which is half of the economy, makes no sense. So it was set up to fail from the beginning. And then for the smallest and most vulnerable businesses, the fact that they had to go jump through these hoops with the banks, well, banks, what are they going to do? They're going to service their biggest and their best customers. You can't blame them for doing that. They have those relationships. But that means that the smaller guy, you know, John's taco truck or, or you know, Carrie's hairstyling service, the ones that are the most vulnerable who actually need the capital and need to plug this gap are going to be left out in the cold once again. We all knew this was coming. It has come. And, you know, either they're going to have to put in more money or businesses are going to close. Both outcomes are bad. They should be taking this money back from the Kennedy Senator, Senator, Senator the um, National Endowment, from the arts, the universities. All that money should be taken back and given to small businesses. Carol Roth, the Roth Effect podcast. That's what you get. People go listen. Appreciate you, Carol. Appreciate you too, Jesse. We got more show. Awesome stuff. Hang on. There are a few things I love more than watching an American citizen push back against a crappy politician. And with that, Allow me to welcome in attorney Mark Garagos, who is suing the mayor of Los Angeles. Mark, thank you for joining me. Why are you suing the mayor of L.A.? 
Well, he's, uh, in his infinite wisdom, without any scientific basis, he's decided to uniformly not just close uh, all non-essential businesses, but close the beaches, close the golf courses, close virtually anything and everything without any basis upon uh, which uh, soever. So in order to collect on business interruption insurance, your other favorite um, industry, which is probably the insurance industry, we've had to sue both the mayor and the insurance industry to try to get them to admit that this thing is a business interruption and that they ought to pay for it. One or the other is going to have to pay. Now, now, hold on. The insurance industry was trying to claim this wasn't a business interruption? Are you serious? Not only that, but let me give you a little late-breaking news. I filed for deck relief, which is declaratory relief, telling the judge, judge, you got to decide this because one, well, the mayor is saying that this is a pandemic. The insurance company is saying that it isn't. Um, you decide it. So the insurance company didn't like the fact that we had sued for declaratory relief, so they sued the law firm this morning, if you can believe that. We pay them for decades. We ask them to take care of business interruption, <laughs> and Travelers okay. decides to not only sue, but to, on an earnings call, make a claim that this is, this is how they protect their insurance. Mark, I've asked this question, and I'm so thrilled you're here today because I genuinely want to know the answer. It just became, sadly, universally accepted across the country, state, local, federal level, of everybody just assuming the government actually had the authority to point their finger in your face and say, go home and stop earning a living. And I've asked this question repeatedly. I can't seem to get an answer from anybody. How's that legal? How is it legal for the mayor of L.A. to order anybody to go home and stop earning a living? This is really un unprecedented. There's never been a situation where they've uh, where they've quarantined virtually everybody, whether you're sick or not sick, whether they've uh, uh, decided one way or another without any scientific basis. Remember, less than three weeks ago, we weren't supposed to wear masks. Now we're supposed to wear masks. Less than three weeks ago, this couldn't be transmitted through the air. Now. Less than three weeks ago, we were talking about antibodies and whether or not that, uh, whether we were immune, whether there was herd immunity. Now they don't know. In California specifically, they keep claiming, well, it's been victory because we flattened the curve. I, I think that there's just as much evidence that coronavirus had already come through California months ago and we had developed the antibodies then. And that's why you don't have the, uh, the, the same reaction that you do in New York and other hotspots. None of this is based on science, unfortunately. All of this is just based on political uh, kind of the idea of pandering, uh, political pandering. I have heard what you just said from multiple of my friends who live in California. Can you walk me through that? Why do you think it came through California? What are you talking about? Well, for one thing, we had back in uh, late November, December, and going into January, one of what people were calling one of the worst and most severe flu um, uh, seasons of all time. And people have, uh, at the time, didn't associate it with the coronavirus. Mind you, where else would you expect the Chinese virus to appear but in LA or San Francisco? We are the entrance to Asia here in Los Angeles at LAX or in San Francisco at the International Airport. We're on the West Coast. 
Now, looking in retrospect, there was a study that came out yesterday in L.A. County. All of the sudden, they've started testing, and they see that all kinds of L.A. County residents, a very high proportion, have the antibodies to the virus already in their system, which is what we've been saying for four to six weeks. And people were mistaking. I think there's just as much science for the proposition that we've already gone through what is the virus outbreak here in California and that this the, these overreaction by the uh, political uh, potentates has just done nothing but try to kill the economy. Now we've got a mayor who not only without any science has bulldozed sand into skate parks, has had people arrested who were on the beach by themselves, but now announced yesterday in the city of LA state of the city speech that he's going to furlough tens of thousands of city workers, all because he didn't have any idea what he was doing, that he had no scientific basis, but he reacted like a Pollyanna or a chicken little with the sky is falling. Mark, what's the response been? I am positive that your Rolodex is about 10 miles long just because of who you are. What kind of response have you gotten? I have, um, you know, I've been doing this for almost 40 years. I have never seen across the political spectrum, I mean, right, left, in between, um, small business, insurance people who work for insurance companies, restaurant owners, across the board, people understand intuitively how insane this is. And I will tell you, when you know, I, every morning when I walk the dogs, I'm out on a horse trip, We've closed the horse trails. We've closed the hiking trails. None of this makes any sense. It's a complete insanity. And we strip people of their constitutional rights because we've got this kind of inanity uh, that is just a, there, there's really a pandemic of fear is what it is. We don't have any, what they should have been doing instead of costing the taxpayers an inordinate amount of money. Why didn't they start the antibody testing six weeks ago, two months ago, when they first heard about this? Why didn't we have massive drive-through testing then to do and find out whether or not we had the antibodies? And if we had done that, it would have been a fraction of the cost and a fraction of the economic devastation that we've done. And by the way, by having people quarantined, there was no sense for protecting the vulnerable. There was no plan. When you go and tell somebody, you go quarantine, don't leave your house, they didn't say, well, don't quarantine with, pre with people with pre-existing conditions. They didn't try to take those people and protect them. They just did this kind of overreactive, once again, Pollyannish reaction. And insurance companies take the uh, advantage of it. Politicians have taken the advantage of it. And frankly, I think the public gets it now. They really understand what's, got, what's gone on. Mark Garagos, attorney, suing the mayor of L.A. I don't think I've ever rooted for one of my guests as hard as I'm rooting for you. Go get him. I appreciate you. Thank you. There you have it. Let's get some teeth, people. Let's start fighting back. You don't have to lay down and take this crap. All right. Hang on. Joining me now to wrap up our Reopen the Economy show is the Dean of Business at Liberty University, 
Dave Bratt, also former congressman, that's going to come into play here in just a second because one of his, well, she was never a colleague by the grace of God, at least I don't think so. AOC dropped this gem yesterday after oil was trading at negative $40. Quote, you absolutely love to see it. This, along with record low interest rates, means it's the right time for a worker-led mass investment in green infrastructure to save our planet. Cough. Now, Congressman, I'm going to do you the honor of not comparing your intellect with Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. However, this is a problem, right? In Congress, how can this not be a problem? How do you work day-to-day with people who, I mean, what am I supposed to take that as? That's anti-American. That's anti-worker. Yeah, and I think it does show just a deep misunderstanding on the left of what an economy is in the first place, right? I mean, they're talking about just dismissing entire sectors of the economy, right? Huge chunks of GDP percentage that have supply chains themselves and are linked to mom and pop diners across the country related to those industries. It just shows a total unawareness of these linkages. And then to go to the Green New Deal uh, when we're just printing cash already and throwing it at other unproductive uh, means, it, now is the time to talk about getting your manufacturing back and making stuff uh, and, and being productive again and getting our K-12 education system in line. And so, yeah, the, the, the left never misses an opportunity uh, of a crisis. Uh, they're in pursuit of their ideological uh, goals, the, the neo-Marxist uh, ideological goals, which is to, to claim political power. It's got nothing to do with economic growth. That's what it's hard for Americans to understand that, right? When you say Marxist goals, uh, the goal is to claim power, right? Just trust us for a while, give up all your rights. We'll take power and deliver you uh, nirvana. And that that's it, right? And so the American people can't believe that anyone actually believes that, but they do. Congressman, I'm glad you brought it up because this has actually been on my mind all day, the K through 12 education thing. Now, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure how this came to be. I'm not sure when this came to be. But I am increasingly okay. stunned by the younger people I talk to. And I'm not one of these, the next generation sucks, guys. Every People are just the same. But the younger <laughs> people I talk to that have graduated high school, that are graduating college, yeah. and even if they're not, you know, died in the wool leftists, they have a genuine negative view of the United States of America. They've been educated that way for eight hours a day. How right. did we as a nation, from a broad view, get to a point where we teach our younger people that the nation in which they reside sucks? Well, we, we just went from the great generation. I mean, you hate to go old school, but part of it comes out of that. When you go through the Great Depression, you learn the value of a nickel, and you learn the value of hard work and of your own money. And uh, it's become easier uh, than that, right? And so uh, the, the next generation, it's not their fault. We did not provide them the, the fundamentals. Uh, in the meantime, China is graduating millions of IT, quantitative, mathematical, engineering students uh, that still eat their spinach. And we've said, nah, in the U.S., you don't need to do that. Uh, there's some easy route. There is no easy route. Right? And so the folks uh, now, uh, once you have a hit to the economy like we're experiencing, it, it, it all shows up. And uh, unfortunately, we're going to pay uh, a, a dear, dear price uh, for missing the boat on education. It's one of the fundamentals that produces everything else. 
and uh, we've let it uh, we've let it stagnate for way too long. Congressman, I talked to Carol Roth earlier on the show about all the stock market oil price stuff. So setting that yeah. stuff aside, yeah. there was an oil war, oil battle. I don't even know the right way you would describe yeah. it between us and Saudi Arabia and Russia that was already hurting the oil industry. I saw it firsthand here I, in Texas before coronavirus ever got here. Yeah. What was that and why was that? Yeah, well, so... Uh, Russian Saudis got together. They refused to cut output uh, to put our U.S. shale producers out of business. And that's when you saw some of the U.S. senators get upset and say, uh, no, 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 no. But uh, since, so that, that, that's, a, that's a major impact, but it's nothing compared to this coronavirus lack of global demand, <clears throat> right? So that's the story yesterday. All that's showing up in market prices and just to make it clear uh, to everybody, uh, if we lose market prices, which, you, which we have, right, with the, the 08 uh, Fed intervention, uh, the Fed intervention is going from a $4 trillion uh, balance sheet up to $10 trillion balance sheet where they're buying every, uh, every uh, corporate bond and uh, asset they can get to give the firms cash. And if you lose the market system, that's what people cannot uh, understand right now. When you see prices go negative, that means the market system is broken. There is no market working anymore, right? And so if you lose the market system, uh, we're back to fishing under bridges again, right? And so I, I, I cannot overestimate the importance of the economic logic that we've built up over hundreds of years that is embedded in this economy. And if you listen to the likes of AOC and, and the left who have no understanding of how markets work, uh, and if you pull away this undergirding, right, the Judeo-Christian tradition uh, gives you the rule of law and Magna Carta, and then you get James Madison, and finally you get free markets uh, and Milton Friedman and all that. It, it's one long, continuous scene. And if you pull the thread out of that scene, God help us all, because it, it's going to be so bad. I cannot tell you. And I, I hope this uh, returns the country back to its senses. Uh, but some folks are still out there uh, way off in orbit. Congressman, I'm extremely, extremely worried about the budget situation in the country. And yeah. I realize that this isn't sexy and nobody likes to talk about that or yeah. likes to talk about taxes and coronavirus and things like that. We are spending yeah. money, even with these bills, these bipartisan bills. We're yeah. spending money we don't have. And we have less money than ever coming in. And that's just at the federal level. We're not even talking about state and local. Budgets yeah. cannot stand up to this. We're going to be feeling this for years, right? Yeah, well, and they're, they're, Medicare, Social Security, the state, San Francisco, CalPERS, they're already insolvent, right? And so this just hastens their decline. Uh, and it's a matter of how long can the U.S. bond market hold out? That's the big daddy. And if that thing ever goes upside down, uh, that's the end of the story, right? And uh, you lose your currency. Uh, everyone knows it's kind of a, uh, the, it's a faith uh, ultimately, right? And, and it's no longer tied to gold. It's a faith in the U.S. Treasury. Uh, and, and if we lose that faith, that that thing carries the day, uh, we're in trouble. So you, you're right. It, it's not the cool topic. But uh, at the end of the day, if that one fails and the left does not understand that, the whole house of cards comes crumbling down. Congressman Dave Ratt, Dean of Business at Liberty University, thank you so much for your time today, sir. You bet. Thank you, Jesse.
And that is a wrap on our Reopened America special. I know you all enjoyed it. We'll be back to do it again tomorrow. See you then. You know, your house smells. Don't get mad. Don't get mad. My house smells too. I'm not not indicting you. I'm sure you keep a clean home, but just time means you're going to acquire smells, whether those are cooking smells that get in your paint, your carpet. Maybe they're animal smells. Maybe you're a smoker or someone else was. Just living creates smells. I didn't realize that my home had a smell to it until I got my first Eden Pure Thunderstorm, the greatest air purifier I've ever, ever owned in my life. This thing, I had it plugged in for two hours. I came back in the room and my air smelled so clean. I now own three of them. I'm not making that up. This thing has absolutely changed me on top of what it's done for my allergies. Go get one, get two, be like me and get three. Go to EdenPureDeals.com. Make sure you use the promo code JESSE That gets you 10 bucks off and free shipping. EdenPureDeals.com, promo code JESSE. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money in markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleh Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters— With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Cain Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.